Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Let's tell the team what an amazing job they did. Not only that, while you have your hands clapping together, let's welcome our Sherwood campus. Let's welcome our online campus. Tell them thanks for being here today. Now you can be seated. So if you are new to Journey, or this is your first time, or maybe you're new back to Journey, welcome home. This is a great place. I loved what happened this morning here in worship. Um, And it's not a show around this place. It's legitimate. We love Jesus with everything that's inside of us. Somebody say amen to that. So we've been in a series called To the Church. And over the last six weeks, today will be six. Next week, we'll finish it up. Next week, we're going to look at the church of Laodicea. It's probably the most common, probably the most, um, you know, church, the well-known church out of the seven churches. Uh, Today, I've heard less messages about this one than any other message or any of the other churches, and it's amazing to me because it's one of the most intriguing churches, and we talk about this uh, in a second, but we literally sang about what a lot of the church of Philadelphia was about. So Philadelphia was about 25 miles uh, south of Sardis. That was the church that we looked at, I think it was last week. Uh, Philadelphia was also established by King Attalus uh, II. And it's interesting to me, he gave that region the name Philadelphia because this region. Uh, if you don't know much, Philadelphia, or if you don't know much about it, Philadelphia actually means brotherly love. He named the church Philadelphia because, or that region Philadelphia, because the, the love that he had for his brother. And so there's a lot of meaning. Even thousands and thousands of years ago, there was such meaning. Uh, the major industry was the great uh, grapevine growing district. So if you were a wine drinker, you would have loved to have been there because that's what they did right there. But they also had textiles and leather and all that kind of stuff. So it was a, it was a big area. In AD 17, uh, 10 cities, including Philadelphia, we looked at a couple of them. We've already talked about Smyrna and Sardis were destroyed. But in, in 17 AD, uh, the church, they had an earthquake and the whole entire region was destroyed and kings and, and people of that area uh, uh, kind of grew it back, okay? So very little is known about the kind of the origins, where it started, how Philadelphia, we don't know who the founding pastor is, but we do know this throughout the history, even to current day, they stood the test of time against a lot of persecution. And it's interesting because that's what they're applauded for. But even today in the area of Turkey that this church is located, there's still a remnant of believers, the Church of Philadelphia, that are right there. So they're still kind of going strong. John had nothing but praise, right? So the whole seven churches thing to the church is the Holy Spirit inspires John to speak for Christ on the island of Patmos while he's exiled there. So John has nothing negative to say about the Church of Philadelphia. He literally tells them that there's an open door in front of them that no one can shut. They can try it. Uh, persecution is going to come. Nobody's going to destroy this church. And this is one of the few churches that Jesus has nothing to say about correction, only encouragement. So I want to read this today with those lenses, and then I want to kind of extract a really important thing today that we've sang about, that we, 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 we kind of talked about today, and we're going to talk about through this message. So Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's going to be on the side screens. It says that the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one can open. He says, I know your works, right? We've heard that before. Jesus has said that through the, uh, uh, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit several times. I know your works. I know what you do. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door 
which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet, watch this, but yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. That's a really important phrase when we uncover what Philadelphia is about. Behold, I will make those the synagogue of Satan who say that they're Jews and they're not, but lie. Behold, I make them come down and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Verse 10, pivotal, pivotal passage. Because you have kept my word and patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming to the whole world to try to those, uh, uh, to, to try those who dwell on the earth. He says, I am coming to another key two words, hold fast what you have so that no one will seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. The new Jerusalem that comes down from God out of heaven and my new home, my new name, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Uh, verse 12 is pretty cool because we hear the same exact thing in Revelation chapter 20. Out of heaven comes a new, a new, uh, new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem. So we see a lot of common things going on here. But I don't know if you noticed it from the reading, and I hope I did it justice. But there's two, two really key, but one, one high level, but two key points. Here's the first thing I want us all to get. Christ promises that if the church of Philadelphia remains faithful to him, he will protect him. And you know that promise of protection is thousands of years later, we can claim that same promise. Yes, right. that, that regardless of what's going on in the world that we live in, regardless of how the attacks are going in other countries, regardless of people being extracted and kidnapped, God still protects the people of his church. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. So that's the first one. The second one, Christ praises the church of Philadelphia for remaining faithful. That's a key word faithful in the face of trials. Now, I did a little research this week. Faithfulness means this. It's the concept of unfailing, remaining loyal to someone or something, and putting the loyalty into consistent practice regardless of extenuating circumstances, meaning this, the peripheral, what's going on on the outside does not impact the faithfulness. First of all, we're gonna look at as God, God's faithfulness, and it shouldn't impact our faithfulness back to God. But in the world we live in, and unfortunately, there's a lot of that that happens. I was thinking about this. I'm just show of hands. Uh, how many people have ever been to Yellowstone National Park? Anybody? Uh, raise your hands real high. I have never had the opportunity to go there. Uh, if you want to send us, that's great. We would love to go. No, I'm just kidding you. Never. But I've seen a lot of documentaries. Uh, do you all know that there's a big geyser? Everybody knows what a geyser is, right? It's called Old Faithful, right? Old Faithful. Now, I didn't know much about Old Faithful, but I wanted to figure out why do they call this geyser Old Faithful? Because some geysers, like we were in Italy a few years ago and we were at Mount Vesuvius. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's, a, it's an active volcano. The, the, the problem with Mount Vesuvius, they don't know when it's gonna happen. They don't know when the, the lava's coming out. So there's people with waiting with bated breath, waiting for lava and you see a little puff of smoke and everybody goes, ooh, and that's it. And we were sitting there for an hour and a half for two hours, like that was it. Well, well, Old Faithful is totally different than that. As a matter of fact, it was kind of recognized or kind of noticed in 1870 when it was first identified uh, by some Western explorers. Since that time, it's been, there's been one million eruptions. Um, statistics show that the geyser goes off about once every hour or so. That means 20 times a day that, that this geyser goes off. The geyser doesn't care who's working in the office. The geyser doesn't care how many visitors are there or not there. The, the, the geyser doesn't care of how the strength of the dollar is in the world. It doesn't care if it's raining or snowing. The geyser is faithful. It comes up every hour. So when I think about the word faithfulness and I read about the church of Philadelphia and them being faithful, 
Look at it that way. How faithful they were in the, in, in, in the midst of struggles and problems and turmoil. How faithful, how faithful would we be in those moments? And I want everybody to get this, okay? I'm gonna, let me, let me stop for a second. Today is a note-taking day because there's gonna be so many nuggets today that you're gonna walk out of here going, so you're going to go, you want to go back and watch it again because I'm going to give you some truths today that I think we need to hear. And here's the very first one. The root of all faithfulness is found in the faithfulness of God, not in the faithfulness of you, but the faithfulness of God. I'm going to read some things to you. His faithfulness to himself. Psalms 89, 8. O Lord of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O God, with your faithfulness all around. Meaning this, he is consistent in his character that his character is the same. The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's, his faithfulness to his word, right? He's faithful to his word, meaning that he keeps his promises. How many people know that God keeps every one of his promises? They may not be what you want, but he keeps his promises, right? This is what it says, Psalms 145, 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and his kind, or kind in all his works. He's faithful to his people. He takes care of us. 1 Corinthians 1.8. Who will sustain you to the end? Guiltless in the day of the Lord. God is faithful from whom you are called in fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He's faithful in temptation. Somebody say yes. yes. Like when, like I'm telling you, there's times in my life where temptation is knocking at the door. And I know, and I know who opens the door for me. It's not me. It's God opens the door and he goes, oh, you're not, you don't have no part of this one right here. But he's faithful. First Corinthians, no temptation has overtaken you that is common to men. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But, to, but with temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When we fall and when we fail, he is faithful, right? Because we fall and fail a lot. Show of hands. How many people fall and fail a lot? So most of us. We got a jacked up church, y'all. First John 1, 9. I asked that one time in another, I was asked as a guest speaker to go speak at another church. And I said, how many people know that they're jacked up? Not a single person raised their hand. I just brought out, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And you are all. And they're like, no, we're not. <laughs> Scary, huh? How about this? First John 1, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Amen to that one. So when we fall. How about this? How about when we're under attack? You ever feel like the attacking enemy is all around you and you don't know why for some strange reason it's not getting, it's not penetrating you? It's because of this, 2 Thessalonians. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard, against, uh, guard you against any evil one. That's powerful right there. Just like the sun comes up, did you have to, like, did anybody wonder if the sun was coming up this morning? No, it just came up. And in a few hours, it's going to go back down. This whole daylight saving time has me messed up. It's going to get dark at, like, what, 2 o'clock in the afternoon or something now? Like, I don't know exactly when it's going to happen. But eventually today, the sun's going to go down. That is the faithfulness of God. So everything else we talk about today is based on that one truth, that the root of all faithfulness comes from the faithfulness of God. Amen? So here's the song. So how do we do it? How do we be like the church of Philadelphia? How are we faithful? Well, I'm going to say this. Start today with what you have. And some people are going, I have nothing. Like, I literally have no faithfulness. If you're, if you're, if you're asking me that I, I don't have any, 
uh, if faithfulness is something based on me, I have nothing. I feel like it's too late for that. I know people that would say that if faithfulness is consistency in character, which we're going to talk about, I'm out because I'm the most inconsistent person that you know. If faithfulness is keeping a promise, listen, I can't even keep a promise to my spouse or I can't keep a promise to my kid. How am I going to keep a promise to God? And some people feel, you know, if it's, you know, just dependable, I am the least dependable person. Now, here's what I want you to know. None of us in this room are faithful in every area or sometimes any area. Somebody say amen that. We all fall short of it. That's why it's important for us to remember that earning the title of faithful servant is an extended journey. It doesn't happen just overnight. You don't just don't wake up one morning and go, okay, I'm going to be faithful, and you are faithful in everything. Um, I, I love the parables. There's a parable that I want to read. It's the parable of the talents. How many people have ever heard the parable? It's the five, the, the two, the one, right? You, we, I've, always read it, I've always read it as it was about money or it was about the talents, right? Like this person doubled it, and I'm thinking, that's a great investment plan right there. I double my money, double my money. And I realized something reading this week that none of it has, this story is not about money, it's about faithfulness. It has nothing really to do with money. It's not about how much, it's about what you do with what you have. And so many times, we don't, even, we don't even look at what we have. And I love this story when, when Jesus is telling the young man to go uh, fill the baskets up, right? And, 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 and he gets the basket, and they bring the basket. Well, the basket had a few things in it to start out with. And they didn't go, well, we got an empty basket. How are we going to multiply? It, there was a few things in the basket already. In our lives, so many times, we don't recognize what's in the basket. And so what I'd like for us to kind of figure out today is we have some stuff in our basket. It may not be five talents. It may not be two talents. But whatever you have, we're called to multiply. We're called to use those. We're called to be faithful in those things. Matthew chapter 25, 15. If you've never read it, let me read it to you. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two. To another, one. To each according to his what? Okay, that word could be interchanged to his faithfulness. What, what you've been trusted with. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also did the one with two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the, and put it in the ground, his master, or, uh, uh, went and dug into the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you have delivered to me five talents here. I made you five more talents. Watch what he says. His master said, well done, good and what? Faithful. Good and faithful servant. He didn't care that he brought back 10. He never even recognized that. He just said, well done, good and faithful. He could have brought back two, and it would have been well done, good and faithful. He could have brought back one. It would have been well done, good and faithful. He says this in verse 22, and he who also had two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered me two more talents. Here I am. I've made two more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. In verse 24, he also had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master answered, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I've scattered. He said, like, depart from me. He, here's the interesting thing, and this is a beautiful picture of how in our lives sometimes we compare ourselves to each other. I can imagine he was going like this. Well, if you'd given me five, I'd have been fine. Or if you would have given me two, I could have done something with the two. But you only gave me one, and I was worried about it. In our lives, sometimes we're so concerned about what somebody else has, we forget what we have. And God's called us to be faithful. We have a tendency to think 
that we have less to work with than we actually have. God has given every person in this room a talent, an ability to do something. And it's up to us whether we're going to be faithful. I read a statistics this past week. Uh, and they, they, they polled, I think it was a thousand millionaires. So some of you probably got polled, right? <laughs> thousand millionaires. And do you know out of the thousand millionaires, I'm joking by the way, out of the thousand millionaires, 70% felt like they didn't have enough money in comparison to the mega millionaires, which are 0.000001% of the entire. Now, we kind of go, I can't believe you have a million dollars and you don't even recognize. You want to know the truth? We have a million dollars too and we don't recognize. We, we, we have a talent that's worth, a talent back then was over a year's salary. It was a lot of money and didn't invest it. In our lives, we do the same exact thing. And I'm going to tell you something and you want to write this down. God will never call you to be faithful with what he hasn't given you. You're only called to be faithful with what he has given you. So many times we look at everything else and I have heard people say this. And if I just had more money, I would manage it well. You can't manage what you have right now well. How are you going to manage more? Oh, I didn't mean to hurt feelings this morning. I apologize. Send it to Gretchen. I heard, you know, I've heard people say, if I had a de decent job, I'd work harder. You don't have a decent job because you don't work hard enough. That's why you don't have a decent job. I'm not hiring you if you're a late sack of something. So there's a rule of thumb that I used from the time that I was in. For those who don't know, when I got in the ministry, before I got in ministry, I literally worked in the insurance company or business. And before that, I was a landscaper for a local landscape company. And I've learned this one thing from managing people and being a leader. The first three min minutes dictate the first three hours. The first three hours dictate the first three days. The first three days dictate the first three weeks. The first three weeks dictate the first three months. And the first three months dictate the next three years. If you can't work in those first three minutes, you're not going to work for three years. It's just the way it is. You learn a lot about a person in the first couple minutes that you meet them, don't you? Amen. He's not going to ask you. See, with this attitude, we keep going, if I want some, hey, I, I would be sexually pure if my wife, get, no, no. You don't understand faithfulness. As a matter of fact, you have a misconception of what faithfulness is. Faithfulness says, I will do my very best with what I have, even if at times it doesn't feel like much. That's what faithfulness is. That I'm going to take what I have. And when you're faithful with what you have, you open the door for greater opportunities. Verse 21, let me read it one more time. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So that's the very first thing, okay? We're gonna land right there for a second. Start today with what you have. The second thing is this. Do your best with what you have even when no one else is looking. Verse 15, I don't know if you've ever read this this way. This one blew me out of the water. To one he gave five talents. To another he gave two. To another one, each according to his ability. And then watch this next line. Then he went away. He had entrusted this group of people with his money, and then he went away. He let them do their job without supervision. Let me throw this out. If you need someone looking over your shoulder 24-7 in order to do what's right, you will have a hard time to develop developing faithfulness in your life. If you need somebody hanging over your shoulder and, and checking and checking and checking, there's a bigger problem in our lives, isn't there? 
Our character is what we do when no one else is looking. Our faithfulness is built when no one else is looking. Your greatest strides of quality of faithfulness will be without an audience. Nobody will ever see it. Can I give you three truths? You're going to want to write these down. I'll spend a couple seconds talking about these. No amount of accountability can overcome the lack of character. Did y'all hear that? No amount of accountability can overcome the lack of character. Our faithfulness is an extension of our character. So it doesn't make a difference uh, how many people you have in your life. It doesn't make a difference if you are not a person of faithfulness, if you're not a person of character. I don't care how many people you have. I don't care how many pastors are checking on you. It's interesting because I've watched this one play out. I've watched this one, honestly, in staff, not the staff that I have right now, but I've watched this in church world over, over my period. I've watched people lie to senior leadership going, I'm going to do visits over here. I'm going to go do this right here, only to find out that they were going somewhere else, that they were going home or they were going, going to go play golf or whatever the case may be. No amount of character, no amount of accountability will overcome the lack of character. Now, here's another one. Everyone should have an accountability structure in place for their lives, right? Yes, sir. I, have, I have elders that I answer to at our church. If you don't know the corporate structure here, I have a series of elders. There's, I don't know, 16 elders that we, that we bounce ideas off. And I'm telling you, there's been times where they're going, Bobby, we, think, we feel like we're getting a little off course. I'm going, okay, let's get back on course right now. They help with all the decisions. I need to have a structure. A couple of weeks ago, remember we talked about, uh, we talked about um, uh, uh, what do they call them, guardrails. We all need guardrails in our life. We need areas of our lives to get us back onto the road or back if we get off the road, then it knocks us back on course. That's people. Everybody needs some type of accountability in their lives. And the last thing, if you just get to, what you do when no one is looking is where you build the foundation of faithfulness. I have a friend of mine, he's an actor, okay? And he has been trying for years to kind of make it big. And I asked him, I talked to him a couple weeks ago and I just said, hey, got a question for you. Do you know, how many people do you know that just all of a sudden happen chance on some great, great movie, you know, role or whatever. And he goes, what do you mean? Like how many people, you know, have lucked into becoming a big star? He goes, none. He said, maybe there's one, maybe there's two that just, they were at the right place at the right time. But most of the time, it's the people that work the hardest that nobody else sees what they're doing. It's, it's when, when nobody else is looking, it's the middle of the night. And I was thinking about this. You guys never see me at 4.30 in the morning when I'm out by my boat preaching this message to cockroaches. And every one of them gets saved, by the way. So uh, this morning, I was out there, and I said, okay, I see that hand. So it was amazing that some of them were raising multiple hands. But it was one of those deals where, and what I've learned, this right here, this right here is only the extension of what I'm doing in my private life. If I'm going through the message, and that's the same with everything in our lives. That what we see, what public, what we see happen in public is only extension of what's going on in the private. Which, which leads me to my next one, and I love this, be faithful every day even when you can't see an outcome. And how many people know we live in an outcome world? Like we have to have, everything has to have a cost-benefit analysis. And we literally say, if there's not enough benefit, I'm not going to, the cost isn't worth it. But that's not the same way with faithfulness. Those servants were given five, two, and one. And what they did with their investment was important, but they didn't know what the outcome was going to be. It's like this, if I gave you Let's say I gave you $100 today. Rich, I give you $100. I'm not giving you $100, but let's say. And I said, I want you to double it. You have a lot of ways to, to invest that money, but there's no guarantee that that money is going to be doubled. If I gave you a million dollars right now, I'm not giving you a million dollars. He's getting big eyes every time I increase the number. 
there's no, there's no guarantee. And I'm going to tell you something. In, in life, there's no guarantee that the outcome is going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. Amen. That's where faith comes into play. That's where we just kind of sometimes have to go through the motions. And there's many people that I know that want to be faithful and effective in the Christian life, except they have this nagging doubt. And the nagging doubt may be, you know, what if it doesn't work? Right? Anybody ever said that? What if this doesn't work? What, what if this whole Christian thing doesn't work? Or what, what if I'm faithful and I never get blessed? Do you ever think about that? What if I'm faithful and I never get blessed? What, 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 what if I'm faithful and I can't make ends meet? I had a conversation with a young man sitting right over there one day. And he walked up to me. And he said, Pastor Bobby, I'm going to start tithing. I said, okay. So his business was a brand new startup business. I think he was doing pressure washing. About six months later, he walked up. And I don't, so for those who don't know, I don't know what you give. It's none of my business. It's between you and God. I'm, I'm assuming that everybody in this church tithes. We'll talk about that in a second. But he said to me, he said, Pastor Bobby, I've been, I've been doing, I've been tithing. I'm not gonna tell you the amount. I've been tithing. So that's awesome. He goes, the problem is, the problem I'm having is I'm making more money now. Like, what's the problem? He goes, well, I don't think I can tithe more. Like, you can't afford not to tithe more. And I said, you know, here's the alternative. You can stop tithing and go back to what you were making. But, you know, there's no guarantees. I said, there's no guarantees if you tithe that God's going to pour out the the storehouse or open the storehouse that you think he's going to open. But I can tell you my shoes last longer. My tires on my car last longer most of the time, right? I have a lot less. I, it's just, I, I said to Gina one day, and I don't even know if she remembers. I said, you know something? You know where we could live if we stopped tithing? And she said, yeah, cardboard box. <laughs> right? Because I was complaining one day about good Lord. I, I looked at it one day. I was like, good Lord. Like, you know what? Like, we could live like somewhere. Well, she, she was right. Be a cardboard box somewhere, yeah. on street corner. There's no guarantees. What if I'm faithful and I end up unhappy? It happens. The conversation with a person this past week. Pastor Bobby, I've done everything I could do in my, my Christian life, and I still got sick, and I still, again, I'm like, you have a guarantee of heaven? I mean, that's pretty good, right? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the end is not a bad alternative. Come on. Hmm. Question is, are you willing to take the risk? Are you willing to take the risk of faithfulness? See, I think it's not a fear of failure that a lot of us have. I think it's a fear of, of wasting our time. Anybody watch football? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody watch Georgia play yesterday? This isn't about Georgia. It's about every, every team that's out there. It's about every NFL team. There's a backup quarterback. You know what the backup quarterback's job is? To stand there and hold the clipboard. And, and, and for years, I thought that's all he did is he stood there and looked. At, he looks good. His hair looks He never puts a helmet on. I mean, he's got, he's, he doesn't have a little mark right there that all the quarterbacks, you know what I'm talking about? His jersey is, if he's wearing a white jersey, there's no grass stains on it. But, but I noticed it yesterday. We brought in our backup quarterback. And I'm like, and they kept saying this. He's good because 
He does the reps. He does the reps. He does the reps. He does the reps. You don't find out every backup quarterback that's ever played, they do the reps. They do the same thing as the starting quarterback and nobody ever sees them. And it's that point where sometimes Don Strzok for the Miami Dolphins 25 years ago, never came into a game. 20 years he played as a backup, never came into a game. Made millions of dollars though. I like that. You hear what I'm saying though? They didn't know what the outcome was gonna be. They didn't know that the quarterback wouldn't go down. They didn't know if the quarterback was never going to be, you know, he was going to be healthy all the time. They just played and got ready or practiced like they were getting in the game the next time. That's what, that should be us with our faithfulness. We shouldn't have to know the outcome. The five didn't know the outcome. The two didn't know the outcome. The one didn't know the outcome. The one thought that they did. And that's why they messed up. You don't always know the outcome. I know people that have started businesses not knowing the outcome and went out of business. And I know faithful people that have started businesses and they're flourishing right now. I know people that have worked in ministry for years and years and years and didn't know the outcome, but they kept doing it because that's what God told them to do. Let me throw something out. Your faithfulness will not go unnoticed to the person that's the most important. And that's God. This is what it says in Matthew chapter six, verse four. So that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. First Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in what? It's not in vain. Matthew 24, 20, uh, 45, who then is faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them food at the proper time. Blessed is servant who his master will find so doing when he comes, doing something. Robbie Robbins was a Air Force pilot during the first Iraq war. So that was in our lifetime. And he completed his 300th mission and his commanding officer said, you can go home, pack up all your stuff. So they fly their jets from Iraq, the theater of Iraq, all the way over to Massachusetts. And he lives in like, I don't know, New Jersey or somewhere, Pennsylvania. And he gets a, he gets a, a taxi from Massachusetts all the way to where he lives in Pennsylvania in the middle of the night. He walks in the door of his house to see a huge sign that said, welcome home, dad. Welcome home, dad. He said, how did, how did you all know? How did you know that I was coming home? Nobody, it wasn't on the news. We didn't send a, a message or a fax. How did you know? This is what his, his family, his wife says. She said, when, Robin says, when I walked into the house, the kids, about half dressed for school, screamed, Daddy. Susan came running down the hall. She looked terrific. Her hair was fixed. Her makeup was on and a crisp yellow dress. How did you know? I asked. She said, I didn't. She answered, through the tears of joy, once we knew the war was over, we knew you'd be home one of these days. We knew you'd try to surprise us, so we were ready every day. That should be us. Regardless of knowing the outcome, that should be us. We should be ready every day to do what God wants us to do, to be faithful in the little things. And when we're faithful in the little things, he's gonna give us more and make us faithful over. 
I'm going to give you a couple practicals, and then we're going to we're going to go home. If you want to establish the foundation of faithfulness, make it a daily endeavor, even if you can't predict the outcome. That was the that was the strength of the Church of Philadelphia. That's why Philadelphia got the. They were faithful. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't worry about the extra stuff. They didn't worry about whether God was going to pour out. They were just faithful. So here's some ways we can do this. Start somewhere, okay? You may want to write these down. Start with your relationship with God. Start being faithful in your relationship with God. That means you're praying and you're reading his word and you're doing things with him. I asked a friend of mine the other day, I said, when's the last time that you had a conversation with God? And he said, three years ago. I went, so maybe we didn't, you didn't do it yesterday. Start today. Be faithful today. So that's the first thing. In your private time. And when I say in your private time, I'm not talking about the private time here. I'm talking about when no one else is looking. What no one else sees. I was listening to a podcast and guys, a golf guy, and he said, he said, I hope they invent a, a, uh, an app that when my heart stops beating, that the app clears everything on my Google. And I thought if you're not doing what you shouldn't be doing, you're not worried about what's on your Google. Right? That's our private life. It's when nobody else is looking. We all slip up. We all have struggles. We all have problems. Somebody say amen to that. But it's the consistency of our lives, our private lives. Here's the third thing. In your time with other believers, are you faithful in that? Now, I love seeing your faces. And if you read my email, I love hugging your neck. And this morning, I got to hug probably 15 or 20 people. I haven't hugged their necks in probably two years. That's awesome. I'm looking, we probably have one of the largest nine o'clock crowds we've had since we've come back from, give yourself an applause, that's awesome. But let's be faithful in that, right? Let's be faithful. Let's be faithful. We talked about accountability, setting up accountability. We call it J group in our, in our church. Get involved in a J group. Here's another one. In your workplace, okay? In your workplace, are you working hard? Do people around you see you working hard? Are you doing it? The Bible says, like with everything we do, work as unto God. So are we doing that? Here's another thing. In your time, like, I'm going to encourage you. You want to be faithful? Find a place around here to be faithful to. Find find a place to serve in our church. Like this is a volunteer-based organization. We do not run without volunteers. Find a place where you can latch on, whether it's saying hi young girl this morning at seven o'clock knocks on the door and I'm like, hey, uh, church doesn't start till nine o'clock. She goes, I'm here, to, I'm here to do coffee. I'm like, yes, you are. Most important ministry in our church. I took her right down there. Like I've had two cups already, if you can't tell. I've had two cups already. So it's one of those deals where find a place to serve. You see the people with red shirts, any red shirt people in here, they all go out to take care of people. Tony's back there, red shirt people. They're the people that are table setters. They're the ones that make sure that everything goes on around here. They're the smiling faces. Somebody said to me just a few minutes ago before we started service, it's about Michael Key. Now I'm gonna say something nice about you, Michael. Usually I say something mean about you, but I'm gonna say something nice. He's the most friendly person you'll ever meet. He needs to have a red shirt on. If I ever, if I ever meet anybody that goes, this is not the friendliest place, I'm gonna take them to Mike. Talk to him for five minutes. You're gonna think just the opposite. Find a place to serve. And then... We don't talk about this much, but in your money, be faithful. Be faithful in giving 
giving to God what's God's. And watch what he happens. Just watch. He's going to blow. The Bible says in Malachi, he opens the storehouses of heaven. Well, Pastor Bobby, I can't afford. You can't afford not to. You can't. And so be faithful. So when we talk about faithfulness, that's why the church of Philadelphia was, they were applauded. And that's the kind of church we want to be here at Journey. Amen? Can we pray together this morning? Just bow your heads for a second. God, we started with the platform. We lean into this big time. We, there's no faithfulness. You are the standard of faithfulness. We, we know that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on a cross. You were faithful for four or 5,000 years of history that told about the Jesus that was gonna come. And it's because of that Jesus that we're here in this moment right here. And God, maybe that's where it starts for some of us today. Maybe some of us have never made that commitment. We've never walked across that that spiritual line in the sand and said, Jesus, I'm gonna accept your faithfulness right now. And so maybe that conversation's happened. And God, for others, we, we haven't been faithful in the things that we know you've called us to do. And, and, and we, can, we can keep using the, the excuse of COVID or just got out of the habit. But at some point, we're going to have to be accountable for our actions. We're going to have to be accountable for our lives. And so we might as well start today, God. God, I want to be faithful in everything. I want to be faithful in the little things. I want to be faithful in the big things. God, we as a church, we as a church, we want to be like the church of Philadelphia. That was commended for their faithfulness. Let us be that church, God. God, let us be that church. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.